Welcome to the Prospector Podcast, a bi-weekly production giving you the minor perspective. Hey miners, I'm glad you're back for the first episode of our seventh season. I'm your newest host, Itzel Giron. Along with my fellow Prospies, we hope to cover all of your favorite arts and culture moments, sports recaps, and the latest news across UTEP and the borderland. To start off, I bring you The Pick, a quick recap of all things you need to know. On July 23rd, the World Health Organization declared the monkeypox outbreak a public health emergency of international concern. Locally, El Paso has only had one reported case as of August 12th. However, public officials say not to worry as the mortality rate is immensely low in an interview with KFOX 14. Earlier this month, former President Donald Trump's estate Mar-a-Lago was raided by the FBI for more than nine hours as they come to find what has now been revealed as more than 300 classified documents, including top-secret CIA, national security, and FBI documents. The Department of Justice did release a redacted affidavit Friday, August 26, which gives a clearer picture of the investigation at hand. In lighter news, the first week of school has just finished and it surely started on the right foot with record-breaking enrollment numbers and UTEP's biggest freshman class to date with around 3,600 students. Now, Swifties, we must rejoice. Taylor Swift has just announced her brand new 10th album titled Midnights. Swift announced it after winning Video of the Year at the 2022 VMA Awards on Sunday, August 28th. The album is set to debut October 21st with 13 tracks spanning quote-unquote 13 sleepless nights scattered throughout Swift's life. Here on campus, the NPR station for the Southwest KTEP just received three Edward R. Moore Awards. The categories and the award-winning stories are Migrants Expelled for Hard News, Border Wall Falls for Investigative Reporting, and Private Asia Graham for Continuing Coverage. Luckily, I was able to sit down with news director of KTEP, Angela Corchega, to talk about what these awards mean to KTEP and the borderland. You know, to journalists, we all know how important an Edward R. Murrow Award is. Can you give a little bit more insight on what that is to someone who isn't a journalist? Sure. So it's um, there's two, actually, under Edward R. Murrow, named for the... Uh, very famous uh, journalist dating back to uh, he covered the war he worked for CBS News for many years and so the awards in his name and so every year uh, there's a contest the uh, radio television news directors association um, a regional contest so there's a, a Texas and, and surrounding region and then a national contest um, to award uh, in a variety of categories um, you know the best journalists the best stories all right well it's prestigious enough to win one um how does it feel to receive three awards it's been great and it's especially a, a wonderful testament to ktep our public radio station based here at utep um to be able to have this many awards in the short time we've been doing local news so we've, we've won several including a documentary about the aftermath of the august 3rd mass shooting a year later what had happened to our community and then several others um and include the for the first time this year we have the national award and that means that our story the story um i i worked on um about migration we can go into details about what the story was about um, competed against um, across the country. I mean, it was in our category for hard news. Um, we were going head to head with stations all over the country. So, real, real honor, and um, really proud that that KTEP and in our region um, can claim that honor. 
Well, that hard news that hard news segment was migrants expelled. Can you give us a little bit of insight of what you were talking about? Sure. So at that point, um, a lot we all know that in our region we had a lot of migration from primarily Central America, and it's it's been dating back to you know 2019, the previous administration, the Trump administration. But we we were seeing um, again a, a, a huge number of people coming through and. They were being turned away at different ports of entry, uh, different border crossings, not allowed to claim asylum, and uh, some who managed to cross in the Rio Grande Valley, South Texas, um, you know, Brownsville, McAllen, that whole area, were being sent to El Paso and then um, back across the border, but this time into Juarez. And so they were being expelled was the official term because there was no process at that point because there was um, a pandemic and people were just being sent back um, as a pandemic health order, so they couldn't claim asylum. So we, um, uh, I, w- I went across and at that point, uh, it was good timing, a-, a whole group of people, good timing for news, not good timing for the people were being um, you know, sent back into Mexico and they had just gotten off a plane, been put on a bus, and then they were suddenly at the bridge and did not know where they were and asked, um, I mean, asked, me, the reporter, where are we? And so I told him Juarez, and then, you know, there was all this panic, and a lot, most of them were women with young children, and uh, so I was able to focus on what what was happening to them. And then we delved into um, the role of social media in kind of misinformation, disinformation for migrants who were being told, hey, come up from Central America, you'll be let in, um, the door is open, everything's great, and when they got here, they found out another very harsh reality that was not the case. And finally, um, met a mother with a very tiny child. This, in my opinion, really was the human part of the story that um, really conveyed the, the, the misery of people who um, migrate for various reasons. Um, the little boy kept tugging on her skirt. They had been abandoned by her, as she called him, guide, but smuggler, and had run out of money and were at the bridge. And basically, they were, um, depending on the kindness of strangers, to get snacks and things. So the little boy kept tugging at her skirt, and I said, well, what does he want? And she said, well, every day, you know, he's like, Mama, Mama, I want to go home. And, you know, they're so far from home, and there's really was no prospect, and it's really hard for her to turn back. So that, that I think that audio in that piece really conveyed, you know, the human part of that story. What do stories like Migrants Expelled mean to not only the border community, but to people across the nation? Well, I think it's important to have our stories told in our region um, from people who live here and know the border on both sides. Um, and to explain, yes, this is a, um, a, a, a story that often is politicized because it's a difficult issue, you know, people crossing the border. But we need to explain the complexities of it. Why are people coming across? Who's coming? What about our laws? We haven't had immigration reform since 1986 under a, a you know, the last president who actually was able to succeed and that was a Republican president, Ronald Reagan. And here we are so many years later and we have a labor shortage and yet people cannot um, come across in an orderly, safe way. So I think telling our own border stories, and yes, immigration is important, migration is important, border security, um, trade, but but we also want to make sure people understand, you know, the border is not just death and destruction and, you know, the overused word crisis, but, you know, vibrant communities live here and, um, and we are telling those stories too. 
um, to you, what do these awards mean to KTEP, to UTEP, to the borderland? Um, as we mentioned earlier, there's such prestigious awards. What do you hope this shows to other journalists or up-and-coming journalists? Well, I think um, that, that this is a region that can, has wonderful, compelling stories, um, human stories. And, and so it it's shows that we can get the work, uh, the awards and the work done, the journalistic work done here um, at a very small station that we're trying to build up local news. We have only had local news on the air since, you know, really we, I, I came on board and during the pandemic. And so we started our first newscast in, in 2020. In March, literally when we shut down, we went up uh, on air with local news. Um, but I also think it's it's so rewarding to be on a, on a campus where I get to work with great young student journalists, our next generation journalists. And you will be the people who continue that storytelling, who tell the stories from the border, the bilingual, bicultural, binational um, population. And, and from that, we draw these great student journalists and we always tell the students um i teach co-teach borderzine our multimedia journalism class with professor kate gannon and so we tell students that's your superpower you may not know it because you just take it for granted but you have this inherent understanding and talent for telling these these border stories and i think that that um we are in such a unique um, place to be able to do that and have such wonderful um young journalists actually doing the work already what does this mean or what's the future for KTEP now? You know, these are big awards. What's next on your plate, especially as news director? What do you hope this brings to KTEP? What do you hope to push or how do you hope to push KTEP even further? Well, I'm happy to say, you know, we're part of the university's strategic plan now. So we are right now exploring um, what that means and how to build up the station. And, uh, and you know, yes, tell these great stories, report these stories, do that that journalistic work that needs to be done for our local listeners um, on on air, but obviously streaming is the future, and but, but also beyond, to be able to tell our story regionally. We collaborate with a group of public radio stations in Texas and, and NPR and, and beyond, but, but more importantly, to also be this training ground for these great journalists who are coming through UTEP and, and will go on to, to tell the stories. And so incorporating more of their work on air. And we've, we've started to do that. You're hearing some of that work. And the goal is to do a lot more. Um, thank you, Professor Cortega. Is there anything else you would like to add about KTEP, about any stories you have coming up or anything like that? No, we've got, we've got a lot of stories to cover and, and really looking forward to working with more students and very inspired by all the work that you and, and the other students at The Prospect are doing. So thank you. Minor Palooza just announced its headlining act as Tequila Rock Revolution. According to their website, Tequila Rock Revolution is the brainchild of Grammy-nominated Austin Latino rocker slash electric violinist Hated Pintera. The show is a metal-fueled, mariachi-infused, and spectacle of sight and sound paying homage to the tradition of mariachi through an unprecedented fusion with modern metal and electronica. Our new arts and culture editor, Megan Garcia, went out on campus and asked students what they thought of the headliner. Okay, Alondra, do you know who's headlining for Minor Palooza this year? No, I don't. Can you tell me? Yes, it's actually a group it's a mariachi band, and they're called Tequila Rock Revolution. Oh, that's so cool. Um, so I was wondering, are you excited about this, knowing that they're the headliners? I'm a lot more excited about it now, 
I didn't know that there was a mariachi band headlining. If I had known, I probably would have been excited from the get-go. Do you wish that maybe yeah, they bought somebody else? Cool. Yeah. I like that it brings kind of diversity to it. Mm -hmm. I love that. Would you, like, would this bring you out to Minor Palooza? Do you think that this would, like, attract you oh, to the event? definitely. Yes, definitely. Mariachi music always gets me pumping. <laughs> My friend used to be a mariachi, mm -hmm. and I always loved it when she would play, so this would actually get me going, for sure. Cool. How feel about that? Are you excited? Yeah, no, that sounds great. I love mariachis. I actually just recently developed even more of a love for that kind of style of music because they were at my cousin's quince and it was just so nice. It was so fun. It felt like a cute little like embracement of my culture. UTIP football had their first game of the season August 27th, bringing in a sold-out crowd to the Sumbul Stadium. Although it was a tough loss, I'm not one to speak on how the game of football is played. So, we have our new sports editor, Emmanuel Rivas, with your recap of the game, along with the preview for the season. Hello and welcome to the sports section of the Prospector Podcast. I'm Emmanuel Rivas, I am the sports editor for the Prospector Daily, and Today we'll be taking a look at a couple of things, including Saturday's football game against North Texas and a quick preview of the football season for your Utah Miners, including some volleyball recaps and previews. Let's get into it. So the game Saturday itself got off to a rocky start after a weather delay, which lasted about an hour. But once the game got started, both teams found themselves struggling to score early on. By the end of the half, Utah found themselves down one point, 14-13. After that, it was a shutout. In the second half, North Texas scored 17 points unanswered, with your final score being UNC 31 and Utah 13. It's not too difficult to see why UNC found themselves winning this game. The key factor was how early UNT managed to establish the run game. UNT rushed for over 160 yards, allowing them to open their playbook and throughout the game used a lot of play action to really open up the field and the Miners defense really struggled to shut the run game down and so that's what allowed UNT to keep punching it down the field whether it had been up the middle or on play action and so that's where they succeeded. Looking at this game in a broader sense, the offseason was very, very difficult for El Paso using a lot of key pieces both on offense and defense. Last year's game was, was really close came down nearly to the, to the last second, but that game was close because of the talent on that roster, and so you take away that talent, this game was not as close. UNT didn't lose as many pieces as they did last season, and so they can essentially pick off where they left off, and that is a huge advantage they had coming into this game. The UTEP linebacker core was really struggling, so North Texas would run the ball up the middle, they would get past the line and for whatever reason the linebackers just struggled to keep up and allowed them to get 10-15 yard carries on multiple attempts. That being said, there are flashes of really good plays and really solid chemistry on this offense. Some of those being obviously a carryover from last season, Tyron Smith. Ray Flores also finding himself some great plays. But a lot of that was not consistent, and that's a problem the Miners struggled with last season. They started out 
really strong on defense this game, but that just could not be held up, and so minor offense could not perform, leading to a shutout in the second half. But there are some good things coming out of this team. I think it's not hard to see the pieces that can be put together in, in, in order to make a winning team. But looking forward, I mean, next week you have a very tough opponent uh, in Oklahoma. It, uh, it, a matchup that, to be completely honest, is very lopsided. Not many people see UTEP coming out of this one winning. Uh, they're ranked number ninth. Uh, last season they were 11 and 2, and in their conference, the Big 12, they were 7 and 2. The last time these two teams met was in 2017, where Oklahoma scored a total of 56 points over UTEP's 7 points. There are some things that have dragged OU this offseason. They lost their former head coach Lincoln Riley, and so there is a transition period at the head coach position, but that's definitely not going to be enough to offset the talent. Offensive coordinator Jeff Levy, one of the best in college football, will surely give the Miners a bit of a challenge, to say the least. But for those of you interested, the game will be on Fox. It'll be at 1.30 p.m. Mountain Time next Saturday. So feel free to watch that game. But looking ahead, you have a classic matchup against New Mexico State, which last season their standing was 2-10. And, and of course, the Miners met the Aggies last season, beat them 30-3. Very satisfying win. Expect a win. That game will be on ESPN Plus at 7 p.m. Saturday, September 10th at the Sun Bowl. That following week, the Miners take a trip to Albuquerque, Saturday, September 17th, where they will face off the New Mexico Lobos, a 3-9 standing last season, and a 1-7 standing in the Mountain West. That game will be at 6 p.m. The last time the Lobos and the Miners faced each other, the Lobos came out on top 20-13. That UTEP finds himself back at home facing Boise State with a 2021 7-5 standing and a 5-3 Mountain West standing. They will face off Friday, September 23rd, once again at the Sun Bowl at 7 p.m. And this will be on CBS Sports Network. Now, the Miners did face off against Boise last season losing 54 to 13 an interesting matchup skipping ahead all the way to the end of the season the matchup i am most interested is utep at utsa last season the roadrunners and the miners met miners ended up losing that game 23 to 24 now this game will be Saturday, November 26th, in San Antonio, at 1.30 p.m. Now, the uh, Roadrunners last season, 7-5 and 5-2 and in Conference USA, so very, very interesting to see where these teams will line up. 
uh, as for football, that's it for now. Moving over to, to volleyball. The Utah volleyball team just got back from their Northwest invitation in Evanston, Illinois, where they won two of their three matchups, in, uh, which included a win, a 3-2 win over Northeastern, uh, a loss over Northwestern, 0-3, and a win, a 3-2 win over Pacific. The Utah minor volleyball team will head back to El Paso for the Borderland invitation, where they will face off against New Mexico, Portland State, and South Dakota. The games will span just about three days into Saturday. The first game against New Mexico will be at 6 p.m. on Thursday, September 1st. They will then face off against Portland State 7 p.m. on Friday, September 2nd. And then they will face off against South Dakota at 10.30 a.m. on Saturday, September 3rd. Good luck to both teams uh, moving forward, and I'm excited to be with the Prospect on the Prospect podcast. Uh, that's about it for me. Thank you for your time. As mentioned earlier, the first week has just finished, and personally, I know I'm tired. But how are you all feeling? Yeah, tired as well. I felt that. Well, staff photographer Alberto Silva Fernandez interviewed students on campus about being back and how their first week was. How do you feel being back on campus this semester? Um, great, more energetic and ready for everything. Great, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, this is my second year here at UTEP, mm -hmm. and now, last year, I felt very welcomed, and I'm ready to keep using the resources that. Nervous. Nervous. This is my first time here, oh, okay. but um, it's pretty interesting. Are you just coming in from high school? No. 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 But it's your first time on campus. Yeah, I'm UTEP. Oh, well, are you a first gen student by chance? I'm a transfer. You're a transfer? Yeah. Are you first gen? Yes, I am. Yes. How does it feel being a first gen student? Um, crazy. Um, my parents really—they're really proud of me. Yeah. Yeah. And do you feel nervous? Do you feel like it's just a really hard time right now? Um, sort of because of the pandemic. Uh -huh. It's more like skeptical, skeptical kind of thing. Because mm -hmm. I try to take care of my grandparents, right. and my elderly. Mm -hmm. But other than that, no, it just seems pretty normal. Okay, sounds perfect. Well, that's it for today's podcast. But before we go, I just want to say thank you for listening. And I hope the Prospector Podcast becomes your next go-to podcast to listen either on your way to school, on your way home, walking on campus, or even doing your errands. Hope you're here next time. Treat people with kindness. I'm Itzel Hiron.